Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. It is so good to be in this place with you this morning. So we're uh, celebrating some special people today, and we're celebrating our dads. So let's give our dads a big hand for Father's Day. I was uh, sitting here thinking about that as, as we were worshiping, and I was thinking of a story of, of my dad. And uh, I was a really young kid, and he would take me and my sister, and we would go out in the woods, and we would go shoot, and we'd grab the rifles, and he'd teach us how to go and shoot. And uh, I remember one time we were going out in the woods, and, and, uh, and we were walking to the place where we'd go, and, uh, and um, I kicked something with my foot, and it stopped me, and I looked, and I picked up, it had this chain on it, and I picked up this chain, and I said, hey, look, Dad, look what I found. And my dad, like, got this really weird look on his face, and he actually, like, got pale, and he, he said, listen to me, son, I want you to listen to exactly what I'm saying. And I froze, I got a little scared, I'm like, what's going on, what I do? I just picked this thing up that I found on the ground. And, uh, and what I didn't know is that chain was attached to a bear trap. And I uh, didn't know if it was sprung or not, but my dad didn't know that either, but he, uh, he was freaking out. And, uh, and so he said, I want you to set that down gently. And he looked at me and my sister and he said, here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna, we're gonna play follow the leader. And you are going to follow me out. We're going to take, you're going to take every step I take. And I remember we played like follow the leader that day out of the woods. And, uh, and, and I didn't understand what was going on at the time. I was young. I didn't know what a bear trap was. And my dad uh, explained it to me. But I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about, you know, my dad, all through our lives, I only had 17 years with my dad. But through those 17 years, my dad led me to become a better man. Because my dad showed me what it meant to love God. He showed me what it meant to love his wife. He showed me what it meant and taught me how to love my children. And, he, and we played follow the leader all the way through my life. And it didn't start in that moment in the woods with the bear trap, but that was just a, a very vivid picture of what my dad did for all of my life. Is he led me and he modeled for me and he showed me what it meant to love God and to love people and then I remember that when I became a dad, in those first few moments of being a dad, I was in the room, and, and uh, we didn't know if Emma was a boy or a girl. We didn't find out either way. We didn't have those cool little reveal things where you blow stuff up, and there's a picture or, or color. Or, we didn't do that. And, uh, and we didn't know. We decided we didn't want to know. And so when Emma was born, I was like, it's an Emma, because we had a boy name and a girl name. I'm like, it's an Emma. And she was crying. And 20 years later, she's still crying. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she was crying, and, and, the, and the nurse took her, and I cut the umbilical cord, and the nurse took her and laid her in that little uh, uh, fry warmer thing that you see at McDonald's, but it's for babies. And, and she lays her in there, and she's crying. And the nurse says, hey, Dad, if you'll come over here and you'll just start talking to her, she'll recognize your voice, and she'll quiet down. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm, I've watched enough Lifetime movies. I know this isn't going to happen. And she goes, no, come on over. And so I walked over. And I began to talk to Emma. And I began to say, hey, Emma, it's Daddy. And dadgum, if the nurse wasn't right. Like, she began to quiet down right away. And it blew my mind. And it was the first time and the last time she ever listened to me all of our lives. No, just kidding. She's listened to me. But my goal as a dad has always been to model what my dad modeled for me. And to teach our kids how to love God and how to love people. And, uh, and so... Um, and so I, I just want to say thank you to all our dads. I want to recognize you. I want to say thank you. And I recognize that some of us didn't have dads like that. Some of us didn't have dads that were loving. Some of us didn't have dads that modeled for us. But maybe we had some men in our lives 
that I call step-up dads. They're dads that stepped in, stepped up, and filled in, and modeled for us what it meant to love God and to love people. And so my dad died when I was 17 years old, and I have had men in my life ever since then who have done that, who have stepped up for me. And so today on Father's Day, like I say happy Father's Day to my dad in heaven, but I also say happy Father's Day to a lot of men in my life that have been there and have continued to leave the legacy that my dad started uh, when I was just a boy. And so I want to say thank you, dads, and I want to pray for you before we jump in and go any further. So let's pray for our dads. Father God, we thank you for the fathers uh, in our lives. Father, we thank you for the men, the men in our lives, whether they're our fathers biologically or not. We thank you for the men in our lives who have been there for us, who have showed us what it means to love you. They've shown us what it means to love our wives. They've shown us what it means to love our children. They've shown us what it means to love people. And Father, I pray that uh, extra blessing on our dads today. And Lord, for those who have been a part of our lives. And Father, may they know that they are loved. They are loved by you and they are loved by us. We love you, Lord. And thanks again for our dads. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning as we jump into our message, I hope that you're ready. I hope, I hope, I hope I've been praying that you're ready to receive a message that has the potential to change your life. Now, I hope every message that, that we share on Sundays has the potential of changing your life, but I believe this one has that potential to change your life because it's something that I think we all struggle with. And so we're in week four of this series that we're calling Take Back Your Life. Next week, we're going to wrap that series up. And before I forget, on July 3rd, July 3rd, we're having one family service at 11 a.m., so uh, that's super cool. I don't want you to miss that. We're going to have something for kids. We're going to have something for everyone, so we're going to have worship. It's going to be a great Sunday morning, July 3rd, if you're in town. I hope that you'll be here as we uh, prepare to celebrate uh, 4th of July, and uh, so I hope that you'll be here for that. But today, today I want to talk to you about the most essential step I think the most important step to taking back our life, and it has to do with the thoughts that we think. And today's message is called, Hold That Thought. Hold That Thought. And that's something we say, right? That's something that we say to people when there is uh, maybe a a necessary interruption to a conversation that we're in the middle of. Uh, Maybe you're listening intently, and then you get this text message from, uh, from someone that you have to respond to, maybe nature calls or whatever it is, but like you get interrupted and it's a, it's a necessary interruption and you really want to finish the story. You really want to hear what the people are saying to you that are talking to you. And so what do you say to them? You say, well, hold that thought, right? Like you grab your phone, you finish the text message, or maybe you go and run to the bathroom or you do whatever it is that you need to do. You, you pay attention to your children if they're needing you and, uh, and you say, hold that thought. And, and when you say hold that thought to someone, it's, it's like a verbal bookmark, right? Like, uh, like bookmarks, to me, I use everything for bookmarks. I read. I like to read. Uh, sticky notes are my bookmarks. Napkins are my bookmarks. Uh, whatever I can find to mark the page of where I left off. And essentially, when you say hold that thought to someone, you're putting a bookmark in that moment because it's important to you and you want to come back and you want to finish the conversation. But here's what I've discovered. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that about 90% of the time when you say hold that thought, the other person doesn't hold that thought, right? Like when you come back to them, you're like, okay, what were you saying? And they're like, I don't remember. What was I saying? What were we talking about? Uh, and 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 they don't hold the thought. Now, when we say hold the thought, 
It's almost always directed at someone else, right? Like you're telling someone else to hold that thought. It's important. You want to know what they're thinking. You want to know what they're saying. Hold that thought. And you're talking to someone else. But I want to show you today that it can be flipped around, that we can flip the script, that we can flip the coin, that, that you can hold that thought, that you can tell yourself to hold that thought. But I want to show you that uh, as we flip it around, that when you hold that thought, when you learn this simple technique of holding our thoughts, it can become powerful and it can be a life-changing event if we can just learn to hold our own thoughts. So let's look at that. Let's look this morning at how to hold our thoughts. And if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open them up to uh, Colossians. Colossians is towards the end of the New Testament, and uh, it's a tiny book, so it's easy to miss. Uh, 1 Thessalonians is the one right after it, and uh, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, and uh, and it is only three chapters long, so it's not a very long book at all. It's a book that Paul has written to the church at Colossae, and uh, and um, and here is what he's saying, uh, beginning in verse 15, and I want to focus just on verse 17, but I want us to hear the whole line of thought of what he's thinking and starting in verse 15. So here's what he says, starting in verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And I hope this morning as we were singing, I'm hoping and I'm praying that you're singing with gratitude in your hearts, that as you are singing, that you're allowing the message of what the songs that we're singing, you're allowing that message to dwell in your hearts. And then Paul says in verse 17, and he says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, so that's like whatever, that's like everything, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do, in, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so a big part, a huge part of taking our lives back, it has to do with our thinking, it has to do with the things that we are allowing into our thought life. It has to do with uh, uh, mental and psychological warfare, if you will. Because thinking right, you want to think right so you can live right. And you might want to write that down. I forgot to put it up on the notes, but think right so you can live right. Listen, you can't live right when you're not thinking right. And what happens in your mind really does matter. Like what's going on in your thought life really does matter and it makes all the difference in the world for the rest of your life. Like we can't love God like we're supposed to if we do it with all of our strength and we do it with all of our souls, but we neglect our minds or our thought life. You see, God wants us to love him with our minds as well. That's why the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So we need to square up on the battlefield, right? We need to square up on the battlefield of our thought life if we're going to rise up as warriors. And if we're going to live this victorious life that God has called us to live, then we have to have, uh, uh, we have to square up on the battlefield with our thought life. 
in our external battles as well as in our internal struggles. You see, our thoughts, they're in both of these areas or both of these arenas, and they give us plenty of opportunities to think wrong. I was, uh, I was sharing with a couple. I'm, there's a couple I'm getting ready to marry. Well, in September, uh, they were, one was a student of mine way back in the day, and, uh, and he's getting married. And, and so we're talking about pre, and premarital counseling, and we're talking about our attitudes, and we're talking about the things that we think about. And I'm like, dude, you got you to gotta listen. I'm talking to this couple. And I said, y'all, I've got to hear this, that you only think about things that are true because here's what happens in your thought life is that your thoughts will create other narratives, I mean, it'll just create other narratives. If you don't take control of your thought life, your mind will create stuff that's not true. It will create stuff in your relationship that's not happening. And so if you allow your thoughts to focus on half-truths or things that aren't true, your brain will begin to just work and create these false narratives in your relationships. And so our thought life is so important. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but your thought life can derail you. Like, that's something worthy of texting or tweeting or tweeting or whatever you call it. But your thought life can derail you. You can end up far, far, far from where, you've met, where you're meant to go one thought at a time. And so I think we just need to understand right from the beginning that our thought life is super important. And that we need to understand the things that we allow into our thoughts. And so we tell our kids growing up, we told our kids all the time, we said this, and, and it's like a mantra. We said, every thought, every thought leads to a decision, and every decision leads to an action, and every action leads to a destination, and every destination leads towards your destiny. And we would tell our kids that when they're thinking about things. We'd say, listen, every thought leads to a decision, and every decision is going to lead to an action, and that action is going to lead to a destination, and that destination is ultimately going to affect your destiny. Uh, Emerson said it this way. He said, uh, and it's on the screen for you. He said, sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. And the point of what er er uh, Emerson was saying is that, is that you reap what you sow, and that also includes your thought life. That if you focus on negativity, guess what? You're going to get more negativity. If that's what your life is focused on, is constantly on the negative, that's going to be what your life produces. Or if you focus on holiness, then you get more holiness because you always see more of what you stare at, don't you? Always, you see more of what you stare at. I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but like when you're looking at a new car, maybe, like maybe you're looking at a, a Ford Focus and you're, you're looking at them and you're on cars.com and you're looking at all the Ford Focuses. Guess what? That's what you see more of on the road. You're like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. And then in talking to you, you're like, it was destiny that I get a Ford Focus. That's not destiny that you get a Ford Focus. That's what your thoughts are focused on. And, and the same is true. Like if you don't believe it, look at your social media. They always show you more of what? What you're looking at, right? And what you're thinking about. So if you start Googling something and, and you start Googling uh, Ford Focus, guess what's going to show up on your social media feed? Advertisements for Ford Focus because that's what they know uh, that you're looking at. And whatever you're looking at, you're like, oh, oh, he likes that or she likes that. Show him more of that because that's what he's focused on. And what I want you to understand is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God's strength, you can realize what thoughts, you can recognize what thoughts are taking you captive 
and you can also take the reins back. Like through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to take, to put the reins on your thought life. You can take back your life if you can get your thought life under God's control. And when you do, your life will no longer be out of control. You can win the battle and take back your life, and it all comes down to this one paradigm shift, that you don't have to dwell on every stinking thought that pops into your head. You have a choice. Everybody say that with me. You have a choice. You do. You have a choice of what thoughts you allow into the rest of your soul and through the rest of your body. Uh, you have a choice. Just like you have a choice, you can change the channel. Like if I'm sitting at home and I'm watching on something on TV and I don't like it, I'm not just going to sit there and watch it anyway, right? Like because you got 150 other channels to watch. And so I'm going to change the channel. If I don't like what's coming into my thought life, you can change the channel. And listen, while you can never delete a thought, you can certainly replace it. You can certainly replace it. And that's what God, I truly believe that's what God wants us to do. And, and he empowers us. He equips us. He, he enables us to change the channel on our thought life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. This is a life-changing verse. Like This is a verse that made a huge impact on me uh, as a young Christian. And, uh, and here's what it says. And Paul, again, he's speaking, and he's talking this time to the church at Corinth. And he says these words. He says, um, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And here's what he says. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. You can bring every thought into captivity and you can make it and cause it to obey Christ. And here's the deal. If you don't, if you don't learn how to take every thought captive, if you don't start filtering the things that go on through your thought life, here's what happens is you become captive to your thoughts. You no longer take every thought captive, but you become captive to every thought. But if you take your thoughts captive, uh, they are forced. They are forced to bow down to the feet of King Jesus, right? Like if we will learn how to take every thought captive, uh, the Bible says that, uh, and Paul says that it will obey Christ. Will, it will bow down at the throne of King Jesus because he's not just the Lord of your life. He's also the Lord of your mind. And that's huge. He's not only the Lord of your life, he's the Lord of your mind. And when he bought you with his blood and when he bought you with all, when he, he bought all of you, right? Like it was a hostile takeover when God bought your, your life with his blood. He took every part of your life. And you've got to remind yourself that this place that we call our body, that it's under new management when we say yes to Jesus. It's no longer ours, but it is King Jesus's. And, and, you, and just because of thought, pops up into your head, it doesn't mean it gets to stay there. Your thoughts don't run your life. And you need to remember that it's not a one and done thing too either. Like when you're taking your, your uh, captive every thought, that you don't just say that today. You don't like, okay, Lord, I'm going to take captive every thought, and then you're done with it. 
No, you have to keep doing it over and over and over again, taking every thought captive. And guess what? You're not just going to do it today, but you're also going to have to do it again and again and again tomorrow. And you have to do it again and again and again on Wednesday. It's a daily thing, taking captive your thoughts. And every other time that those uh, intrusive and invasive and destructive and toxic thoughts pop into your head, you have to take back your life. You have to choose to turn the channel. You have to choose to take that thought captive and make it bow down to King Jesus. You've got to remind yourself of this. You have to remind yourself who's in charge. And in case you forgot who's in charge, it's Jesus. Jesus is in charge. So we take captive every thought to protect our hearts and our souls and to not allow them to captivate us to not allow them to take us captive so church you've got to listen you got to detect you got to analyze and you've got to filter every thought and I think this is helpful it's helpful for me that you have to remember this that you're authorized you are authorized to put thoughts into a holding cell you're authorized to hold that thought you're authorized to to do whatever it takes to hold that thought. Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 says, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and, here's the promise, the God of peace will be with you. You see Paul, as he's sharing this, he's saying, here's the filter. Here's, here's the, the filter that you're to use to take every thought captive, and he gives us it right here. He says, I want you to think about these things and only these things. If it's not lovely, then you get rid of it. If it's not uh, admirable, you get rid of it. If it's not pure, you get rid of it. If it's not noble, you get rid of it. If it's not true, you get rid of it. If it's not praiseworthy, you get rid of, rid of it. That the only things that we think about is what he says is those things that are right and pure and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Think about those things. So that's your filter. And this could be a breakthrough that someone needs this morning, that if you could just win the battle over your thought life, that it would change so many things in the rest of your life. And what does Paul promise us in that scripture? He says, hey, if you'll just put the filter on, if you'll just take captive every thought, he says that the God of peace will be with you. And so many of us are living lives that, of chaos, and we're living lives that are not filled with peace. And most of the reasons why is because we are allowing our thoughts to take us captive. We're allowing our thoughts to run wild in our brains, and we're creating these false narratives, and we're experiencing stress and anxiety, and not peace. But Paul says, if you'll just turn on the filter, if you'll just use these things as your filter, that I promise you that the God of peace will be with you. You see, God wants to do something amazing in you. And here's what it involves. It involves us actively and intentionally rejecting the thoughts that come into your mind that will not move you forward towards the life that Jesus has always had for you. So we got to get in the habit of filtering our thought life. And I'm telling you, something happens. Something happens when you begin to realize that you're capable. 
You're more than capable with the power of the Holy Spirit. You're more than capable of taking captive a thought and putting it in a holding cell. You're more important. It's kind of like it's kind of like running your thought life through TSA. That's what it's kind of like. And so a few years back, I was boarding a plane with um, 14 other of my seminary friends. And so uh, every year uh, or, or every time you went into every time every seminary student, I'll get a, I'll spit it out in a minute. Every seminary student was required to go on a cross-cultural trip. And so they had two or three trips every year, and you picked the one, and I was waiting on the one that I wanted, which was South Africa. And so me and 14 of my other seminary friends, we were boarding a plane, uh, getting ready to get on a 15-hour flight uh, to fly from New York to South Africa. And one of the guys on our group, he had never flown before. Can you imagine your first flight being a 15-hour flight to South Africa? And dude was like, I've never flown on a plane before. And guess who he got to sit next to? And he wanted the aisle seat. And I'm like, I want the aisle seat. He wanted the aisle seat. I'm like, well, dude, you've never flown before. I guess I'll give you the aisle seat. And so he was on there, but he, he kind of like never left. Uh, he lived in Ohio. I don't think he ever left his hometown. And, and he didn't know anything about TSA. And he didn't know that you couldn't bring certain items like you couldn't pack certain items in your carry-on. And, and so he, he, uh, uh, as he's getting on the plane or boarding the plane, uh, he, he had a knife and he had a screwdriver in his, I don't know why he had a screwdriver, but he had a knife and a screwdriver in his backpack and, and, and uh, in his bag. And, and TSA like put the, the halt on it, right? Like all the red flags were going off. Knife, screwdriver, why do you have these things? I didn't know, I've never flown before. And, and he wasn't allowed to board the plane until he got rid of those items. So he's like, you're not getting on that plane. He's like, but I'm going to South Africa. It's my first time flying, but you're not getting on this plane with a knife and a screwdriver. And, uh, and, and, and it, because he could have been boarding with bad intent, right? Like he didn't have bad intent at all. He just didn't know any better. He's never been on a plane before, but, and he thought it would be helpful to have some of those things maybe in South Africa. You never know when you're going to need a screwdriver in South Africa. And, uh, and so, so, but TSA was in charge, right? Like, they're in charge of who gets on the plane and who doesn't. And they're like, no, you stop right there. And, and, uh, and it, it was a mess. And it, it, we're all asking, where is he? Where is he? And it was a mess. And we have to realize that our thoughts are not the boss of us anymore. And just like TSA tells you who's going to get on the plane and who's not going to get on the plane, we got to determine what thoughts are going to get on our mind and what thoughts are not. What thoughts are we going to allow to board the mind and, 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 uh, of our brain and which ones are not? Which ones do we kick out? And just because a thought show up, just because a thought shows up, it doesn't mean you automatically let it in. You have to put it through the filter, right? Like you have to go through the, the, the um, your, your stuff has to go through the x-ray machine and see everything. And, 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 and you have to decide and you have to ask yourself these questions. You have to say, listen to this thought. You just talk to it. Like it, it might be weird at first and you might think, oh, is anybody watching? But I encourage you to do it. Just say, hey. Are you the best thought for me right now? Like, are you the best thought? Are you going to lead me to a place of peace? Or are you going to lead me to a place of chaos? Are you going to bring me to a place where I'm capable of being a blessing to others? Or maybe you're like, oh, no. You know, maybe your thought starts talking back to you. Like, oh, no, you want me to, you want me, you want to make me narcissistic. Or, or, or you, want, you want to bring me misery. Or you want to direct uh, the attention towards my stress and, and hurt my body and my mind and keep me from being a witness. That's what you want to do. And if that's what the thought's going to do, uh, you just got to look at your thought and say, no, that's not happening around here. 
Like you, you don't pass. You don't get to go by. Uh, king Jesus is, is my king, and he's not allowing these thoughts to enter into my life. I don't know if you heard it or not, but every thought around here, it has to go through my TSA. And Jesus is the guy that's holding the, the, the you're in or you're out kind of answers. And, and y'all have got to hold that thought. You've got to learn to allow your thoughts to go through this filter. You have to know the thoughts that come in. You have to know the thoughts that are harming your soul, and you name them. And you say, hey, you're a thought that is harming my soul. You're a thought that's keeping me from being who Jesus created me to be. Uh, and you've got to realize that you have the power to destroy stinking thinking in your heart. And some of us need to break. I'm just going to be real. Some of us need to break some of the patterns of thinking that we've been living in for a really long time. And they've made their way deep into our brain and deep into our hearts. And I know it's not going to be easy to break some of our trains of thought, but some of us need to break those patterns. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. But over time, we can make a new way of thinking. We can embrace Paul's filter of only things that are pure and holy and, and worthy and noble and, and praiseworthy. Those are the things that we're going to think about. Like we can fire new synapses in our brain. We can build and form new habits. We can delete. We can't delete thoughts, but we can replace them with God-worthy thoughts. We can pick up the weapons of our warfare and we can win battles because the battle always belongs to the Lord. And we just have to take one thought at a time, and we have to hold that thought. And here's the deal, church. Certain thoughts, certain thoughts have to go into a holding tank. And certain thoughts we need to hold on to. And, and, and a thought that we want to hold on to uh, is this. How do we know that thought is this? That does what I'm thinking, does what I'm thinking glorify and honor Jesus? Like, if you really just want to barrel it down to that, that's your filter. Does what I'm thinking, do the, does the thought that I'm about to allow into my heart, does it honor and glorify Jesus? Because that's what it says in verse 17 of Colossians. It says this, and whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, thoughts, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we've got to learn to ask ourselves the question is, what I'm thinking, is this thought, uh, is it glorifying and honoring Jesus? And here's how it works. When a thought comes in, you welcome it. Welcome in. Welcome in. Glad you're here. And you invite it to have a seat. Listen, we're about to do a little filtering. And so I'll just encourage you to have a seat. And I'm going to do assessment on you. And I'm going to determine if this thought, you, are going to bring glory to Jesus and honor. And, and so let's say uh, a thought of worry comes to your mind. And you invite it in, and you're like, hmm, as I assess this thought, I smell worry on you. And you know, worry is really the enemy of peace because it doesn't glorify Jesus as king. And so you just send it packing, and you're like, reject, right? You're like, rejection. You're like, decline. You're like, deny. You're like, go back. Don't enter. And, and you kick it out of your thought life. And you see, the throne of your mind, the throne of your mind is reserved for exalting Jesus, like when we come here on Sunday mornings, that's why we come. We come to sing our praises and to exalt Jesus. We're here to uh, jump into his word and community and exalt Jesus. And whatever he said I do in word or deed, I want to do it all in the name of Jesus. 
And so every time we have a thought that could go either way, right? Like sometimes there's thoughts, it's like on the edge, it's on the fence, I don't know. Uh, we have to choose the outcome. We get to choose. We get to choose. Does that thought come in or do we kick that thought out? And so we need to understand this, that the thoughts you hold on to determine the future you're heading towards. That's your destiny, right? Like every thought, remember what I said to my kids, every thought leads to an action, every action um, leads, to, uh, leads to a destination, every destination leads to a destiny. And so the thoughts that you hold on to determine the future and where you're heading towards. Every thought leads to a decision, it leads to an action, it leads to a destiny. And we've got to learn. We've got to be intentional about learning and to spot the negative thoughts or the bad thoughts and the thoughts that we worry about and the thoughts that we obsess about. Thoughts like, why didn't they invite me? Or thoughts like, why didn't they tag me in that post? Or thoughts like, why don't I have that? Like so-and-so has that, but I don't have that. Or thoughts like, why wasn't I born into a better situation? Or why can't I be like, or, or when we let these thoughts in, into our way of thinking and living, all of a sudden we're allowing ourselves to become victims. We're allowing ourselves the potential of becoming captives to our thoughts and we begin to believe lies. And let me tell you, our thoughts, the, the, the negative thoughts, the thoughts that we need to kick out, they're so tempting, right? Like they're so enticing. Uh, we, we have pity parties and we allow these thoughts of things that really aren't true or, or just our perspective come in and they appeal to us. They appeal to our flesh and, and we've got to spot them. We've got to be able to spot them and realize that they don't honor Jesus, that they don't glorify him and that they're not taking, me where I, taking us where we want to go in our walk with Jesus. And because of that, they don't belong in our thought life. And so once we remove our negative thoughts, once we remove thoughts that don't belong in our thought life, we got to replace them. And I keep saying that. We have to replace them. And what do we replace them with? Well, we replace them with scripture, right? Like we, re we replace them with truth. We replace them with things that are praiseworthy and glorify Jesus. And we do that simply by reminding ourselves of our, of our purpose. And our purpose is that we were created to bring glory to God. We were all created to bring glory to God. And I think that a thought that is not bringing glory to God, right, that, that uh, uh, to God that I'm doing the opposite of what we were put on this earth to do if I allow that thought into my thought life. We've got to say no. We've got to kick it out because it's harming ourselves. And it's, it's, it's uh, keeping us from our destiny that Jesus created us for. But when I remember when I remember that I was created to worship, when I remember that I was created to bring God's glory, when I remember that I was created to revere and to celebrate and to make Jesus famous, and therefore I remember that I'm not going to allow those thoughts that are gonna derail my purpose into my life. Churches, we have a choice. You gotta remember that. And when we're glorifying God, that's the thoughts we hold on to. That's why Paul said, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, I want you to think about those things. Hold on to those thoughts. Don't let those thoughts go. Because when you hold on to those kinds of thoughts, it's going to change your actions. And it's going to drastically impact the way that you talk to other people. That when we choose to respond to the thoughts that trigger worry and anxiety, uh, with prayer and gratitude and worship, we find that we are no longer held hostage to our thoughts, but rather we experience peace, the peace that God promised and wellness inside of us. And so listen to this. 
Life is too short. Life is too short not to have what God wants you to have. Average is okay, right? Like average is okay, but what if you're destined for greatness? Then average is an absolute tragedy. And I believe each and every one of us are destined for greatness. And living a life of constant pain and living a life of stress and worry, that's actually, that's pretty normal and pretty average. But I believe that we were saved for so much more. And I get it. It's a battle day in and day out, but we must be constantly, constantly putting ourselves under God's control. And I love what verse 16 of Colossians 3 says too. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And, and here's what one translation of that says. It says, let the word of God have the run of the house. Let the word of God have the run of your house, your mind, your soul, everything that you are. Let the God, let the word of God have the run of that. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Let God's word have the run of this place. And don't even open the door when other thoughts knock at your door. And here's the last thought as the worship team comes up. Here's what I want you to think about. If we will learn to hold that thought, we will experience and move towards the promised destiny of God's sons and daughters. If you want everything that God has for you, if you want life to the fullest, then you gotta learn to take captive every thought. And what's our destiny? Well, uh, if I ask that, many of us say, well, of course, our destiny is heaven after we leave this earth, but there is a destiny that's here, right here and right now. It's also the kingdom of heaven being felt and experienced while we're here on this earth, and it's being firmly planted, firmly planted in this home away from home. It's being a part of the church because the kingdom of God is also here on earth. So every thought, church, every thought is a test. Every thought is an opportunity. Will I hold that thought? Will I take that thought captive? Remember, you were created to glorify God. And what honors Him and glorify Him, those are the things that we should think about. So church, learn to hold that thought. Learn to be the nastiest TSA agent you could ever dream of in the windows of your thoughts take captive everyone that doesn't belong. Say, ah, you're not a part of my thought life. You got to go. Nope, you're worried. You got to go. Nope, you're going to lead to anxiety. Nope, you're going to lead to hurt. You're not welcome in my thought life. Kick rocks. Because I only think of things that glorify God. Would you pray with me? Father God, I, I know that there's this huge battle going on in each of our thought lives. God, so often we allow things in our thoughts that aren't appropriate. We allow things in our thought life that bring us down. We allow things in our thought life that create half-truths or untruths. Father, we allow things into our thought life that cause harm and damage. 
And Lord, we have the power within us because of your Holy Spirit to take captive every thought. God, we can't do it on our own, but Lord, we can do it with your help. And Lord, you can help us to recognize the things that we need to keep out of our thought life. That you have even given us the filter to use. Lord, you've challenged us to think of things that are pure, to think of things that are holy, to think of things that are true, to think of things that are praiseworthy and noble, to think of things that are going to move us closer to who you have created us to be. And those are the only things that we should be allowing into our thought life. Father, it's so hard though. Lord, it's so hard, it's so easy to allow negative thoughts to creep into our mind. It's so easy to allow half-truths to creep into our mind. But Lord, these things affect not only our lives, but the lives of people around us. So Lord, would you strengthen us would you empower us? Would you equip us to become better stewards of our thoughts? Lord, may we, may we remember that we have the power to say no to thoughts that we don't need coming into us. Father, there's some people right here who have, Lord, they have been living a pattern of negativity, that their thought life has been crippling them. God, their thought life has been disabling them from living their life for you. Father, I pray that they would know right now that they can overcome that because you promised that if we will think of things that bring glory to you, that you will bring us peace. Lord, they can experience peace in their lives if they will just surrender thought life to you it'll take time it'll take energy it'll take effort it'll take work but if we will learn to surrender our thought lives to you that you will begin to have victories over our thoughts and you will bring us peace and father if there's someone in this room today who's never said yes to you and lord they've never surrendered their lives more or less their thoughts to you today would be the day that they would just pray out to you and cry out to you and say, Lord, my life is a mess. God, I recognize that I am a sinner and I am lost and that I can only be rescued. I can only be saved. I can only receive peace and salvation from a relationship with you. And Lord, that they would say yes to you today. They would say yes. Father, would you be with us as we sing this last song? God, would you stir within our hearts this energy and ability and power to recognize the thoughts that we need to get rid of. Lord, would you help us to see those thoughts? And even as we sing this last song, that we would kick them out of our brain. They would say, you're not welcome here. They would say, you're never welcome here. And we would begin the process of cleaning up our thoughts so that we can bring glory to you. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand together? And if you want to come and, sh and just spend time with the Lord in this altar area, you come. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm happy to. Uh, just tap me on the shoulder. I'd be honored to pray with you and for you. So you come as you're ready. Uh, let's worship together.